2 Corinthians chapter 9. A very, very familiar passage for this church, I'm sure, uh, but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about faith promise at least one evening at our faith promise conference, amen? So let's just notice a few verses, chapter 9, and let's begin reading in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Let's pray and ask God's help. Lord, we're so grateful for this evening. Thank you so much for Brother and Mrs. Woodard's testimony and the work that you're going to do through them in that place. Uh, Lord, I, I, I love their excitement about getting there. And we just pray that in this last month and a half, you would Make it go quickly, but may it be productive as well for them. Lord, we're so grateful for this video from Brother Crabtree, and thank you for his faithfulness and the miracle that you are working in that place right now. And we pray and ask you to finish that miracle, and may you just show yourself mighty on their behalf. Now, we gather this evening, and we ask you to work in our lives and Lord, we want to be part of what you're doing all across this world. So help us to see truth. Lord, we gather because we want to learn your word. Teach it to us tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me start with a little introduction. Here's what I'll say. When I moved to Virginia in 1981 to start Heritage Baptist Church, I didn't know some of the significant blessings that were going to be mine, and they would be way too many to number uh, in my introduction tonight. But one of the greatest blessings that came to my life was unexpected, didn't know it was going to happen, but I met a man named Dr. John Halsey, and he took an interest in me, and I have no, I, the only thing I can think of is he said, this kid's desperate, I got to help. And uh, one of the greatest blessings in my life was to become friends with and be able to be mentored for years by Dr. Halsey. And, and I don't know that we would ever fully understand the depth of knowledge that rested in that brain, but then also the great compassion that rested in that heart. And uh, I know we're not supposed to have heroes, but he is mine. And I love Dr. Halsey. And what he taught me about faith promise giving has really undergirded my entire ministry. I can say that what Heritage did, and Heritage was very active for missions, is, is almost exclusively a, just the product of his investment in my life. I often say that Dr. Halsey taught me three very important things. How to make a cup of coffee, how to cook a, a roast, and then how to do and what about faith promise. 
One of the things that he taught me through the years and through his books and through our conversations, he, he probably preached eight to ten conferences over 37 years at our church and was recognized as just a master of understanding, teaching people about faith promise, was that it had a biblical name. And the biblical name was that it was the grace giving of chapter 9 and the verses that we just read. And I'm not opposed to the name faith promise. As a matter of fact, we used it and I think it is a good and proper term. But, but I'll tell you what thrills my soul. My, my, my soul is thrilled by the fact that it's New Testament. That it's what the Bible teaches us to do to fund the work of missions. And one of the things that we have to tell ourselves is that it's okay to use words like finance, fund, money when it comes uh, to the work of the church and especially to the work of missions. One of the things that I love about missions is that none of it stays here. It won't buy a hymn book. It won't pay a salary. It won't keep the lights on. It is all for the purpose of winning a world to Jesus Christ. Now, I am an intensely practical guy. And I appreciate what Dr. Halsey showed me in Faith Promise Giving. But then I want to know why does it work? How does it work? Is it something we should be doing? And God has shown me, and I'm sure others, but what I want to share with you tonight is simply this. Five practical reasons that every believer, every member of this church should be involved in faith, promise, missions, grace, giving of 2 Corinthians 9. Here's number one. I love this one. It's biblical. It's biblical. I want you to turn for just a moment over to Philippians chapter 4, and, and I apologize. This, well, I don't really apologize, but it's going to be a little bit of a sword drill, so be ready with me to turn to some different passages, and we'll eventually make our way back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but let's run over to Philippians chapter 4, and I want to begin reading in verse 15, familiar scriptures. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity." I, I want you to understand that if we're going to understand New Testament missions, we have to understand one specific word in the Bible, in my opinion. I'm not going to preach my message on this, but I, I just want to give a primer very quickly. It is the Greek word propimpo. If you'll study that out, and that means get your Strong's Concordance out, you'll find it's used nine times in the New Testament and it is translated, supported, or brought, being brought. And the whole concept, if you'll read then Dr. Thayer, he will say to you that the literal meaning of propimpo is to outfit for a journey, to fit out someone for a journey. 
And God uses it specifically when he is speaking to a church that they are to outfit a missionary financially for a journey. He also uses it in the context of we are to support missionaries in prayer because no amount of dollars ever saved anybody. It is only when prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit breaks through that which blinds their eyes that people get saved. It is only dollars that get the message there. It is the Holy Spirit that pierces the heart with the word of God. And then also we are to support or outfit for the journey emotionally. Uh, And uh, I wish I had time to talk about that. Maybe I'll talk about it a little bit Sunday night. But we are to be supportive. Let Let me show you what I mean by that. Hold your place in Philippians chapter 4, and go with me briefly to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And I want you to notice, this is Paul speaking to the small church that is in Rome. Verse 22, For which cause I have also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now, having no more place in these parts, And having a great desire these many years to come unto you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you. For I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought, that is our word propimpo, to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company." What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, listen, I'm almost finished with what God has me to do with where I'm at. My desire is to go to Spain because no one is preaching the gospel in Spain. Now, to get to Spain, I have, I'm going to come through Rome and my desire is to stop and see you, to get to know you, to fellowship with you, to teach you. Oh, and by the way... My motive is that you will brought me to Spain. What's he saying? Now, I know that's bad English, but it's tremendous preaching. (laughs) That you will brought me to Spain. That you will make it financially possible for me to get to Spain. Well, how audacious you are, Paul, to think that you have the right to go to a church and ask for money for your journey. Hey, not only does he have the right, he has the call upon his life. And the church has God's authority and command to do just that. That's our job here. God has called Paul. We don't know. I don't know if he made it to Spain. But his intention was, and he is saying to the church at Rome, I need support. We can find that a number of times in the New Testament. Go back to Philippians chapter 4. And let's pick up our reading in verse 17. Not because I desire a gift. Can I be honest with you? Do you know why these missionaries are here tonight? Because they want to get rich. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They want to load the boat, brother. I mean, they're going to buy stuff like you. Come on. They might get by when they get to the field. 
Their hearts are not burdened for stuff. Their hearts are burdened for souls. And they are not here because they desire a life of luxury or affluence. If they desired that, I assure you, they'd have made another decision about how to spend their lives. Their desire is to reach the place that God has called them to go. They're not here looking for a gift. They're here looking for help, support to get to the place that God wants them to be. And here's the marvelous truth. Verse 17, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I want to partner with you, they are saying, because we're going to go to these places. We're going to share the gospel with these people. And because you have partnered with us, it's your fruit as much as our fruit. I don't mean to be silly when I say this, but I believe it. And if I'm just a simple southern boy, leave me alone. I love believing it, all right? I really believe that someday in heaven, and oh, by the way, there really is a place called heaven and we're going. And I believe that perhaps some little guy from Zambia or a young lady from Guyana or somebody from Indonesia or from Burkina Faso. I didn't even know there was a Burkina Faso. (laughs) Will come to us and say thank you. Now I understand we'll have perfect knowledge in heaven but stay out of my illustration. (laughs) And they will say thank you for not buying the extra cup of coffee each week. You know, the $7 cup at Starbucks. Thank you for skipping the cruise. Thank you for putting some things to the side so that you could give, so that they could come. And I want to tell you, there's no trinket on earth that would be worth that. Now they want fruit for our account. Notice this, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Again, without trying to be too, too dramatic, Maybe someday after COVID is gone, we will once again pass offering plates. And with all my heart, I believe when we pass those offering plates and and that envelope each week or biweekly or monthly that we drop in that offering plate. And again, it represents a sacrificial gift so that someone can go and share the gospel. I believe that we can't see it. It's beyond our view. But God loves sacrifice. How do you know? Because he gave his only begotten son. And because his son gave his life for the likes of you and I. And I think there is an odor. It is pleasing to God. And a sweet smelling savor. An odor that goes up from the sacrifice. We are a generation who have forgotten how to sacrifice. 
And when God sees his people move themselves off of center priority and put the gospel in the place of priority, it is just pleasing to him. Notice this. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a very popular verse. And I believe in truth in general. It is true that we can't outgive God and giving brings God's blessing. But sometimes this verse is oft quoted but out of context. And the context of this verse is sacrificial giving for the gospel to be taken to the world. It's a missions promise. And all I'm trying to say tonight is that one of the wonderful things about a faith promise conference and being involved in faith promise giving is it's what the church has been doing since the first century. It's not a new program that Brother Gilbert came up with. It's not an invention of BIMI or any other board. It's God's idea. And I'd suggest if God's in it and God's for it, Maybe it'd be good for us to step in as well. Here's number two very quickly. It's an opportunity for every church and every Christian to experience the power of God. Look at this. In ver- well, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Maybe we've already get back there, haven't we? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able. Do you believe that? God is able. I maybe have said this. Let me say it again. That word able is an interesting word. Strong says it simply means to be possible. We can read this verse and understand that with God, everything is possible. Anything is possible. Nothing is impossible with our God. I read. I saw it on the internet, so it absolutely must be true. (laughs) That at any given time, we only use 16% of our brain, our brain's power to function. For me, I'm sure it's down in single digits. But in some ways, whether that is exactly true or not, in some ways, I, I think we could almost say that about our walk with God. That there is so much available to us, and yet we are so timid and reticent to trust him and try him. God is simply saying, I am able to make you, I am able to make you sufficient for every good work. As a matter of fact, I'm able to make you so sufficient you can abound to every good work. And God is saying, I am a supernatural God. Listen, we, I hear this term, Mother Earth. There is no Mother Earth. There is God. And God created natural law. And anytime God wants to suspend natural law or transcend natural law, God can. And God can do that for his people. And God says, in the matter of giving, I am able. And because I am able, you are able. And faith promises is one of those opportunities for us to truly walk with God and trust God. 
and see God do something miraculous in our lives. I used to love it at Heritage. It, it, it replayed every single year. Somebody would get under conviction and God would really give them liberty and they would decide to make a great sacrifice and they would write that down on their card and boy, they'd be shaking because ooh, they better, God better help them do that and it's going to be tough. They're going to have to do without. And then they would come to me about three or four months later and they would say, preacher, you're not going to believe this. I'd say, oh, I probably won't. I don't think God could ever do anything big, you know. And then they would tell me, oh, I got a raise. I wasn't expecting a raise. I got this source of income or God did this or God did that. Hey, God is able to do a lot of things. As a matter of fact, God is able to do anything to enable us to abound to every good work. By the way, God is able to give us grace to do without. Sometimes we preach faith promise as if it is an abstract mystery. Ooh, just pick a number. <laughs> Write it down and God will do it. No, God, God says let's have a heart of sacrifice. And let's put some things that were first in our life and let's put them second in our life. I, I mean, God can do in our lives. He can work in our lives and give us grace to sacrifice. I, I, I love coffee because Dr. Halsey made me love coffee. For years, he and I shared a love for Starbucks. And he just did. He loved strong coffee. And... Uh, since his passing, but I stood in line in Starbucks, this has been a couple of years ago, and two ladies in front of me, and they ordered two drinks, and it came to $13.64.65. And I'm not trying to be silly, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, the Lord put me under conviction. And I thought to myself, those same ladies would say, well, we can't give. I've had people over the years come to me and say, preacher, I know that missions is important and I, I wish we could give, but I, I just don't think that we would be able to give. And on my mean days, which was most of them, <laughs> I'd look back at them and I'd say, yeah, I get it, I do. But let me ask you one question. What's your cable bill? Two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, folks, I, I'm not I'm not preaching against cable, nor am I preaching against Starbucks. But what I am saying to you, as a nation and as a culture, we have lost the sense and ability of sacrificing of putting something else on center spot and moving us off to the side. Here's number three, quickly. It allows Christians and churches to experience the biblical principles of sowing and reaping from a positive perspective. 
Hey, I'll be very brief here, but you, you know what it says in verse 6. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I am an independent, fundamental Baptist preacher. I am the prototype IFB. If you look up the definition of IFB, there's a picture of my bald head right there. I am against everything. I do not want people to have fun in this life. I will find it and preach against it. Amen. Be not deceived. God is not my whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also rape. That's my life verse. And normally when I preach sowing and reaping, it's from the negative. There's a wonderful positive that if we will do the right thing, if we will sow the right seed, God will give an incredible harvest of good blessing in our lives. And if you ever wanted an opportunity literally to sow good seed, Look at faith promise and say, oh God, I want to see the world have an opportunity to know the gospel as I know the gospel and begin to sow and sow and sow. Here's number four. It's a free will offering for all believers. For all believers. Notice what it says in verse seven again. Every man According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. I believe that phrase, every man, is not gender specific. I believe it is gender neutral. It simply means every person, every member of mankind ought to purpose in their heart. I love that word purpose. Look it up. It means to prioritize. It means to think through, what am I doing with this? What am I doing with this? And let me purpose what truly is important. And every person ought to prioritize in their lives what is of most value. And somewhere in there, there ought to be this realization. My flesh wants this. I want this for my security. I want this for my comfort. I want this because my heart desires it. But I'm going to move that off and put God's purpose in first place. And then I'm going to sacrificially give what God leads me to give. And I'm not going to give it saying, well, I wish we were on a cruise, but I'm going to give this. God loves that kind of giving. No, he doesn't. Sometimes I think we miss what giving cheerfully is. I, all these guys are just being hilarious and we should laugh and clap during the offering. No, what, you, what it means is don't moan about what you decided to take out of your life so that the gospel could go forth. Give it cheerfully. Every man. Well, preacher, you don't understand. We never do. I'm on a fixed income. Well, it'll be exciting to find something you can sacrifice, won't it? Well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm a teenager, preacher. You don't understand. I'm a kid. Hey, at Heritage, we we used to have 
I mean it, just hundreds and hundreds of faith promise cards. The stack, it'd take two ushers to carry them out. And I can remember ushers coming to me one year and they said, Preacher, well, we don't want to tell you what to do, which means they're there to tell me what to do, okay? And, and they said, we don't want to tell you what to do, but man, we got cards in here like a penny a week and a nickel a week. And maybe what we ought to do, those are probably just kids, preacher, and maybe what we ought to do is just move them over to the side, you know. And I said, no. I said, let me tell you what some of those nickels are. I'd watched my little son, Joshua. 50 cents a week allowance in the preacher's house when you're seven years old. 75 cents when you're 16. No. <laughs> I'm having fun tonight. So all I do is go to church. If I'm going to have fun, I've got to have fun in church. Right? So 50 cents a week and every evening, I don't hear this term much anymore, but we had family altar at our house. And we ate dinner together. There's an amazing thing. And uh, we would eat dinner, and after we would eat dinner, we would talk there at the table. I'd read scripture. I'd make a few comments, and then we'd have them talk to us about things. And every, every week, every day on our family altar, one of the things we did is through the week, we would have one missionary letter, one missionary family. We would talk about the kids of that family, the needs of that family, and then as part of our prayer time as a family, we would pray for that missionary, and we would talk about faith promise, and I'd say, now, uh, kids, you know, some, you get 50 cents, Josh, and Chris, you get a dollar, and Melissa gets $2, and, and you know that you've got to tithe, you've taught them to tithe, and, and you know that you have to save 20% of what you give. Well, you tithe 10 and save 20, there ain't a whole lot left of 50 cents, all right? And, uh, and, and then I'd say, now, Dad's not going to tell you you have to give the faith promise, but then we'd go through these things and talk about how pleasing it was. And, and I saw that little guy write five cents a week. I said, guys, no, we're not, we're not going to take those cards out because that's the expression of the heart of a guy who is doing what he can do. And can I, can I tell you something? I don't care if you're on a fixed income and the amount you write is five bucks. If it's sacrificial, God is pleased. And God will bless that. You remember that day that Jesus went down to the temple because he wanted to observe the giving of the people? That's a little scary, isn't it? Jesus says, come on, fellas, we're going to go down and observe people giving. And by the way, they were certain men. He knew they were who they were. He knew she was a widow. And as they're watching there, some of the very wealthy people came down. They would blow horns as they came to the, to the temple grounds there. And they would even have, just like they would hire mourners for a funeral, they would hire Ur and Ars for there at the, at the gift. And there'd be people, they'd blow trumpets, they'd come into the courtyard of the women's court, and they would then give their offering, their benevolent offering, and people would go, ooh, ah, because the coins would go down. And after all the fanfare and after all of those fellows are gone, here comes a little widow, two mites. You say, preacher, how much is two mites? Not much. And both of them went down into the box. And Jesus looked at that and he said, hey, guys, 
She has given more than all the rest. Because they gave out of their abundance. Their decision was, well, what's comfortable? Their decision was, what doesn't threaten my security? Their decision was, how can I see how this could work? But she came sacrificing. Now, how, you know the rest of that story, don't you? She died that night of starvation. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. See, that's how stupid it is. We know she didn't. It's even dumb to say it. No, God blessed her, didn't he? I'm just saying, what an opportunity to prioritize in our life and say, you know what? I'm just going to give this to God. And here's last, and I'll be done. It provides every person an opportunity to simply say to Jesus, I love you. I love you. Go back to chapter 8. I'll read this and be done quickly. Verse 8, chapter 8. I speak not by commandment. But by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Did you know that Jesus, in a very real sense, went through the same process that we will go through when we make our decision about faith promise? Jesus had to make a decision, and he he looked at our need. And he, quite frankly, he looked beyond our fault because they're great, and he saw our need. And here's the decision he made. I'll give everything. I'll give my place in heaven. I'll give my fellowship with the Father. I'll give the worship of the angels. I'll go down to that place. I'll trade the streets of gold for those filthy streets of Nazareth and Capernaum and Jerusalem. I'll trade this crystal river of life, so beautiful as it is, and I'll, I'll take muddy Jordan. I'll even let John baptize me in it. I'll, I'll take these singing angels in their worship, and I'll instead trade it for the jeers and the scorning cries of that wicked crowd. But I will give all I have. Because I love them. And it's really hard when we see how Jesus loved us and what it brought him to in his life to then look back at him and say, well, I can do this comfortably, but I don't want it to cost me much. May God help us. So that's why we do Faith Promise. We do faith promise because it makes sense. It's biblical. It's an opportunity to walk with God and see him work. 
It's positive sowing and reaping. It's a way to teach our families to move themselves off center point. It's a way to say, I love you. I end with this. One of my favorite guys is C.T. Studd. I like that guy. Yeah, I don't know if you know it, but he was a world-famous cricket player. And I mean, honestly, now, you and I don't care a lot about cricket. Cricket was a big deal if you were in England back in those days. And he could have played cricket all over the world. He made a mistake. He attended a Moody Revival. And at that Moody Revival, he got saved. Boy, God got a hold of his heart. He became a great missionary uh, in Africa, in India, in other China, in several places. But he said two things that I just want to draw attention to tonight, and with these I close. He said this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And then he said this, only one life to soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's move self off center point and let's put the need of the world as our first priority. Let's ask God for grace to sacrifice and let's give and let God work.